Good evening, mortals. This is Vorix the Terrible from the dimension of the great beyond, and if you do not listen to this episode of Volumes of Fear, you will suffer in a fiery lake while your flesh cooks much like a pig on a spit over- Vorix! Vorix! What, what was, was that no good? It was no good, right? Like, I did terrible, didn't I? Oh, I'm not sure I can do this, Winston. No, no, you can do this. I believe in you. You just want to say that people are listening to volumes of fear. Not, you know, threaten the listeners with flesh cooking or whatever. So, that was too much? Yeah. Oh, okay then. How about this? Hello. Welcome to Volumes of Fear. Please enjoy the show. That was great! Now, hit the button! Prepare yourself for a tale of terror and suspense. Presented by Crimson Knight Productions. This is Volumes of Fear. Ah, my loyal lunatics, welcome to another terrifying edition of Volumes of Fear. We're certainly excited about this episode. Winston? Winston? Yes, Mr. Piedmont? What is going on there? Well, it's Vorix. He thinks he messed up. It's me, Piedmont. I'm the one making all the racket in the background. I messed up the opener. I'm so sorry. I just didn't have much formal education. Oh, my. Vorix, now calm down. You did just fine. In fact, what you just said there about not having much formal education is the perfect way to segue into this episode of Volumes of Fear. You see, our episode this evening takes place in an academic environment, a place of formal education. It concerns a student who uses some bad judgment and unfortunately finds himself in a rather precarious position when facing the consequences. And, for our protagonist, this position will unfortunately lead to some serious life changes for him. With that, my loyal lunatics, enjoy this episode of Volumes of Fear, called The Bear Sharktopus Will Do My Bidding. It was a Thursday afternoon, and Raymond Donaldson had just knocked on the office door that belonged to one of his instructors at Peaksville University. Raymond was rather nervous, as he knew he was in some trouble. This trouble began in his biology 101 class, which was taught by the arrogant, pompous, and highly disliked Dr. Creighton. Raymond had a very difficult time in the class and was not performing particularly well. And when he found himself struggling on the recent midterm examination, he found his eyes wandering to a fellow student's exam. Raymond couldn't help but copy the answers that student was submitting, and, in effect, Raymond cheated on his exam. Considering how low his previous scores had been, Dr. Creighton knew something was amiss when he was grading Raymond's test. 
and when Raymond got his exam back the following week, it had a very handsome grade, as well as a handwritten note from Dr. Creighton that read, See me in my office after class. Raymond knew that Dr. Creighton was on to him and that he was in for some trouble. So when the door to Dr. Creighton's office opened and Dr. Creighton beckoned Raymond to enter, the anxiety kicked into its highest gear for Raymond. Mr. Donaldson, won't you please come in? Yes, sir. With great trepidation, Raymond slowly entered the office. Close the door and then uh, have a seat. Thank you. Mmm. Cozy. Yes, cozy. A long and awkward silence began. It was like a game to see who would speak first. And Dr. Creighton was playing only to win. So... So? You wrote on my exam, um... That you wanted to see me? Yes, I did. With great smugness, Dr. Creighton sat back in his desk chair. He knew he had Raymond right where he wanted him. Was there something, uh, you wanted to, you know, discuss? Raymond, do you know what becomes of people who cheat in the world of academia? Uh, no. Uh, No, sir, I I wouldn't. They either spend their lives in jail, or they become sideshow attractions in carnivals. Uh, sir? You cheated in my class, Raymond. Sir, I... uh, Oh, I... Here, let's take a look at something in my grade book. On your first exam in my class, you got a 64%. On the second exam, you got a 41%. On the third exam, Raymond, you scored a 17%. Then, on the midterm, which I gave back to you and your colleagues today, you scored a 98%. That's quite the improvement. It's very impressive. Oh, thanks. Do you take me for a fool, Raymond? I'd say that improvement was possible for just about any student, but in looking at the history of your scores in my class, I'd say that wasn't possible for you. Let's also take into consideration that you were sitting next to Jeremiah York, and despite his bizarre behavior and pungent body odor, Jeremiah is one of my better students. Do you know what Jeremiah got on his test? Uh, no, sir. Jeremiah got a 98% as well. Coincidence, hmm, Raymond? Well, maybe Jeremiah copied off of me. Raymond, you're acting like a dweeb. Are you a dweeb, Raymond? Raymond knew there was no point in playing games or attempting to talk his way out. He knew it best to surrender to Dr. Creighton and hope for leniency. Dr. Creighton, uh, I cheated on the midterm. I copied off of Jeremiah York. I'm sorry, sir. I use very bad judgment. I know, Raymond. I know. Do you know what Peaksville University's rules are when it comes to students who cheat? Well, it's probably not an invitation to a pizza party with the dean. You're right. It's not. The rules of this institution in a situation like this call for... expulsion. Sir, Dr. Creighton, please. I made a horrible mistake. Please give me a chance to make this right. Just not expulsion, please. Raymond, you're lucky. You know that? 
You really are, because I am very kind, caring, and generous. That's right, Raymond. I care about you. I do. I don't want you to be expelled, no. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to work off this indiscretion. Would you like that? Yes, sir. Very much so. Okay, then. Here's the deal. Craig Jeffries is a graduate student here on campus. He's been working on a project of my design over the past few months. He needs some assistance, and you're going to give it to him. Assist him? Sir, I'm not much of a scientist. I mean, I could mow your lawn or wash your car or even give you a nice massage. Raymond, you won't be assisting him with the chemistry or the science. You're going to take notes for him, run errands, sweep, clean up, take out the garbage, order him dinner, that kind of assistance. You can at least do that, can't you, Raymond? Yes, sir. I don't mean to be ungrateful, but how long will I be assisting him? If you perform your duties well, we'll discuss things at the end of the semester. Raymond had very few options at that point. Avoiding expulsion took precedence, so he was quick to agree to Dr. Creighton's terms. Okay, I'm in. Good, very good. And I'll be back here tonight at 9 p.m. sharp. You'll meet Craig in one of the basement laboratories, room L431 to be specific. Okay. Thank you, sir. Oh, and Raymond, here. Take this. Dr. Creighton grabbed a piece of paper from a nearby stack of documents and handed it to Raymond. Uh, What's this? It's a flyer for a carnival. Apparently, one is going to be in Eastridge, which is just a few miles away. Maybe you should keep that flyer as a reminder. Gee, thank you. Get out of my sight. Very good, sir. Intimidated by Dr. Creighton, Raymond scurried out of the office. And while Raymond might have been shaken by his encounter with Dr. Creighton, at least he wasn't expelled. He took Dr. Creighton's crude definition of leniency as a gift, and Raymond was determined to do right by the situation and make amends for his offense. Later that evening, Raymond got to campus and headed for room L431, where he was to meet Craig Jeffries. It was a few minutes past nine when Raymond located the room and entered it. Hello? Hello? I'm looking for Craig Jeffries. Inside room L431, Raymond found various workbenches, tables, desks, and an array of scientific equipment. However, Craig Jeffries was nowhere to be seen. Raymond walked around the room looking for Craig, but his attention began to veer towards the various scientific apparatuses that were all aglow and making little noises. Raymond was fascinated and becoming immersed when suddenly he heard a door open and a voice speak up. So, you finally showed. Raymond turned around to find a short young man wearing a filthy lap coat over a buttoned-up white shirt. On top of the young man's head was a pile of messy, unkempt hair that was being smothered by a pair of old safety goggles. This was Craig Jeffries. Hi, are you Craig? I am, and you are Raymond. Yep. And you're also late. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, Craig. I trust in the future tardiness won't be an issue for you? No, no. I'll be, uh, not, not tardy. You seem nervous. Just uncomfortable. I guess I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing here, and I don't want to let you or Dr. Creighton down. (laughs) Understandable. 
Well, what if I showed you what we'll be working on? Would that maybe put your mind at ease? Yeah, I suppose it might help. Actually, do you like energy drinks? Uh, they're alright. Would you like to try one? It's something I made. My own recipe. Okay, yeah, I'll try it. Sure. Craig turned and began walking quickly to a workbench that was on the opposite side of the room. It was covered in various beakers, test tubes, vials, and scientific gadgets. Raymond's curiosity was piqued as he slowly followed Craig to the workbench. He watched as Craig grabbed a beaker containing what looked like a blue liquid. Craig then found a clean drinking glass that was conveniently nearby and poured the blue liquid into the glass. He gave it a quick look over and then handed the glass to Raymond. Here you go. Is it safe? Like, it's not going to turn me into some carnival freak, right? My, my, Raymond. I'm insulted. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to offend you. Here, I'll drink it. Heh. <laughs> to science, right? Despite having reservations but wanting to please Craig, whom he saw as a supervisor of sorts, Raymond drank the blue liquid in a few gulps. Uh. Whoa! That was funky. Was it now? Yeah. Definitely got a kick. Is this the type of thing we'll be working on? Mm, sort of. Would you excuse me for a minute? Craig hurriedly walked over to a small storage room at the other end of the laboratory. He entered it and shut the door. From a small window on the storage room's door, he could see Raymond back at the workbench. And by using a small intercom device that he had installed, Craig began to communicate with Raymond. Raymond, I'm in the small storage room for my safety. It's been reinforced really well. There's no way you can get in here. I've got an intercom that I can use to talk to you. I've also got snacks, plenty of water, and a small pillow and a blanket. Really, the only thing I don't have here is a bathroom. But I can get creative if it comes to that. You could say I'm ready to ride out the wave in here. What's going on? What are you doing in there? Do you know what a reagent is, Raymond? Not really, no. It's a mixture of various chemicals that causes a reaction when ingested. So when someone drinks it, they like... change? Yes, precisely. Perhaps you aren't the adult I thought you were. Now, I have with me a journal I've been keeping. I've kept copious notes of my experiments. I'm going to read to you something. Let's see. Entry 6... Three, four. The reagent's transformation should commence two to three minutes following ingestion. It will have the intended effect when ingested and will undoubtedly cause the human subject to turn into a bear, shark, octopus hybrid creature. This creature will have the hairy, burly body of a bear, the head and fin of a shark, and multiple octopus-like tentacles all over its body. It will be gray in color and will stink of something foul. Additional note. Dupe the next rube that Creighton sends you into drinking it. That'd be you, of course, and tell that person that they will only get the antidote if they kill Dr. Creighton. Additional note two, dramatically proclaim, the bear sharktopus will do my bidding. Uh, hang on. You might have to repeat that. Which part? The whole thing, or just like the final dramatic part? Maybe you could summarize it? Oh, oh I don't feel so good. Oh, that's my stomach! What did I drink, Craig? You 
did consume an energy drink, sort of. At least I'm hoping you won't be lethargic. I'll elaborate, Raymond. You see, I'm in the same situation as you. I, too, am indebted to Dr. Creighton. Late one night, a few months ago, he caught me in this very laboratory working on the same reagent formula that you just drank. He accused me of trespassing and misuse of school property. He said he was going to report me to university officials, as well as the local police. I'd be expelled and arrested. Two things he assured me he would see through. My future in science would probably have ended before it began. But he took an interest in what I was doing, and he offered me a deal. That deal was to construct the reagent for him and to give him the formula so that he could take credit. He would then present the reagent formula to the world and be hailed a genius, when in reality, it should be me. But I was never going to let that happen. So instead, I duped you into drinking the reagent formula. It was actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. But knowing how intimidating Creighton is, I knew you'd be paranoid that I might say something about you being uncooperative. Nonetheless, here we are now, and your transformation into the bear sharktopus is imminent. What? Oh, come on, none of this is real. Oh, my stomach is not feeling good. Oh, it is real. And right now, you're feeling the metamorphosis beginning at a cellular level. In only a few minutes, your body is going to transform. Quit messing around, Craig. Oh, what's happening to me? You're going to transform in a minute, Raymond. And you're going to kill Dr. Creighton. And once you do, I'll give you the antidote, which will turn you back into your human form. Are you insane? I'm probably on the spectrum. Say I believe you, which I don't. Despite me feeling really weird right now and being in tremendous pain, why me? Raymond, you were just a victim of your own bad judgment. It was probably not the worst indiscretion, but it was enough for Creighton to take advantage of you. Now, we know what's going to happen. You're going to transform into the aforementioned bear sharktopus, and you're going to kill Dr. Creighton. Then you'll get the antidote, and you'll be back to your normal human form by night's end. Kill him? Well, I won't kill him. If your morals are causing you objection, consider the fact that you're being genetically altered and won't be in a sound state of mind. So, essentially, you're not culpable for what you're going to do. I'd also say I'm being coerced. Again. Yeah, that too. Good call. If it makes you feel any better, no one else is in this building except for me, you, and Dr. Creighton. So I'll be the only one who knows what you do, and I can keep a secret. Something is happening to me. What are you feeling? Does it hurt? I bet it hurts. Your body will be distorting itself and elongating, so that may not be pleasant, and the hair growth will probably lead to a lot of itching. Raymond was confused as to what was happening to him. He was irritated with what he felt wasn't a proper explanation from Craig. But this confusion and irritation went away as the pain he was feeling became so great that he dropped to his knees. In a great amount of physical pain, Raymond grabbed his chest and let out a scream that at first sounded human, then quickly changed to something beastly. Ah! Craig watched from inside his makeshift storage room bunker as Raymond began to writhe around on the laboratory floor. Raymond's body twisted and jerked about as the transformation process began in earnest. First, Raymond's skin turned gray. Next, his arms, legs, and torso began to grow bigger and longer, tearing his clothes apart. Then, 
thick fur and lengthy, slimy tentacles began to protrude from Raymond's body. Raymond's average frame had become big and broad like that of a grizzly bear, complete with fur and even razor-sharp claws. He was also covered in long tentacles that had little suction cups like those of an octopus. But the worst was not over for Raymond, as the fin of a shark began to grow out of his back. Finally, Raymond's head began to distort and transform itself into that of a shark's head, complete with a mouth full of nasty, jagged teeth. With the process over, Raymond simply laid on the floor. He was exhausted, covered in a mixture of fur, sweat, and slime. Still in his place of safety, Craig had wanted to examine what Raymond had become. He was intrigued by the shark's head, the sharp teeth, the fin, the fur, and the slimy tentacles. But he knew that there would be time for that later. Right now, Craig wanted Raymond, the beast, the creature, the bear sharktopus, to begin his mission and eradicate the man who had tormented him. Hello there. Can you speak? I can speak. I can understand. Good. Good. It's now time for you to get to work, my slimy, furry friend. You'll find Dr. Creighton up in his office right now. The sooner you get to work on, you know, murdering him, the sooner you'll get to the antidote. After a quick examination and a few photos, of course. I will kill Dr. Creighton. Then you will turn me back. Of course. Now, bear sharktopus, do my bidding. Raymond, now the full package of bear, shark, and octopus, rose to his feet. He looked over at Craig in the storage room and gave a menacing glance. He then turned and slowly trotted out of the room. As all of this was happening, Dr. Creighton was indeed in his office. He had been talking to someone on the telephone and was wrapping up his day with plans to head home. That's right. I won't go to the authorities, and it'll be our little secret as long as the money is transferred to my checking account in 24 hours. Right, that's how it's going to go down. Now, if you'll excuse me, it's been a long day and I'm getting ready to go home. Okay, Ma, I'll talk to you later. Dr. Creighton ended the conversation and set down the telephone receiver. He then gathered a few documents and notebooks and shoved them into a briefcase before exiting his office. It was late in the evening, and the hallway was indeed quiet as Dr. Creighton made his way toward the building's exit. He'd made the same walk countless times before, yet, this time, something was different. There was a pungent, strong stench in the air, and Dr. Creighton couldn't help but notice. What is that? Yet, before he could truly make an assessment of what was offending his senses, he heard a noise that truly rattled him. Dr. Creighton stopped dead in his tracks. He had just smelled something most awful, 
and now he was hearing something that sounded just as terrible. He tried to dismiss the noise, but then he heard it again. And this time, he knew that whatever had made the sound was very close by. In accordance with cliché, Dr. Creighton turned around and saw, at the end of the hallway, from where he'd just come from, was the figure of a beast that even his wildest imagination couldn't conjure. Dr. Creighton watched in horror as the figure stepped towards him. This creature had the body of a bear, the head, mouth, and fin of a shark, and octopus tentacles all over its body. Dr. Creighton was staring right at the bear shocktopus. Stricken with fear, Dr. Creighton knew that he only wanted to do one thing, and that was to vacate the premises immediately. He turned around and attempted to make a dash for the building's exit, but he only made it about ten feet when he felt something cold, clammy, and suctiony wrap itself around his leg, causing him to take a nasty spill. Dr. Creighton looked on in terror as he saw that it was a tentacle that had ensnared his leg. He attempted to crawl away, but it was no use. The tentacle was wrapped too tightly around him. Dr. Creighton fought and struggled, but then another tentacle wrapped itself around his waist. Dr. Creighton was trying everything he could to break free, but it was to no avail, as the tentacles dragged Dr. Creighton into the clutches of the bear octopus. And it was there that Dr. Creighton met his grisly fate. It had only been about 20 minutes since Raymond's transformation into the bear octopus, and Raymond had now done the dastardly bidding of Craig Jeffries. But if Raymond were to be completely honest with himself, he had actually found that eating Dr. Creighton wasn't as terrible as he had expected. Difficult to get used to, yes, but there was a certain savory nature to the business. Nonetheless, he was eager to get back to the laboratory and be transformed to his normal state. However, upon his return, Raymond soon discovered that all the surprises he had been subjected to were not yet finished. Quick, I have returned. Give me the antidote! Raymond called out for Craig. He was more than ready to be turned back into a normal human being. Craig, I want to be normal again! There was no response. Raymond looked around the room, and then he saw something very troubling. It was the door to the storage room that Craig had taken refuge in during Raymond's transformation. It was now open. Raymond walked over to the small room and looked inside. Craig, are you in here? However, much to Raymond's horror and shock, the room was empty, free of everything that Craig might have taken in there, save for a small boombox with a note attached to it. One of Raymond's tentacles reached for the note. The note simply read, Hit the play button. And that is what Raymond did. Hello, Raymond. I'm sorry that I must give you another surprise. It seems like your day has just been full of them. 
Well, I'll get to the point. I promised you the antidote to turn you back into a normal human, and while I do plan to get it to you, I have to admit that I wasn't the most forthright. Meaning, it's not ready. Um, I sort of used all the resources in the lab to create the reagent formula that turned you into the bear sharktopus. I know this is probably not the news you wanted, and I do apologize and feel, you know, bad. But I figured if I was honest with you upon your return, you'd probably give me the same business you did Dr. Creighton. Which, by the way, I actually saw from a distance. Shortly after you left, I grabbed my personal belongings and snuck out of the storage room and watched everything from the other end of the hallway. You did amazing work, really. You should be proud of that. At least, it's a, it's a silver lining, if anything. Well, it'll probably take me a little while to get the supplies to make the new reagent formula to turn you back. But don't fret, my stench-infused friend. I'll get a hold of you. In the meantime, be well and keep on keeping on. Craig Jeffries, MS candidate at Peaksville University, signing off. He left? He left? Craig's message ended and Raymond was beside himself. He felt the anger within fester to a level that he had never felt before. <laughs> Raymond's anger manifested itself into a rage, and this rage, which was rather understandable, led to Raymond destroying the laboratory, as well as much of the science building at Peaksville University. The next day, the authorities were baffled as to what had happened on the campus of Peaksville University. There were many questions they had, accompanied by a great amount of intrigue, which was similar to the situation that J. Bradley Buckelman found himself in. Mr. Buckelman was a businessman and showman, and was on his way to the construction office trailer where he conducted his business. It was early in the day, and he was feeling rested and ready to begin another day of his entrepreneurial efforts. However, when he arrived at the big trailer where he conducted his business, he found his secretary outside and in a frantic mess. Mr. Buckleman, thank goodness you're here. It's atrocious. Calm down there, Ginger. Why don't you take a moment, collect yourself, and then tell good old J. Bradley Buckleman just what is troubling you and why you ain't inside our office trailer doing business. Earlier this morning, I got here, and I thought the septic tanks were leaking again because it stunk, and there was also all this slime all over the door. I didn't go in the office trailer, but I looked in through the window, and I saw it. Saw what, Ginger? Oh, Mr. Buckleman, it's horrible. It's a, it's a thing. A thing? Goodness gracious, girl. Is it in the office trailer right now? Yes, sir. All right. You go and get Mr. Muscles and also Stumpy. I'm going to go take a look. Please be careful, Jay Bradley. I will. Don't worry, I got Missy, my old six-shooter here with me in case I need her. Ready for whatever may be awaiting him in the office trailer, Jay Bradley Buckleman opened the door and entered. It was in there that he was met by two things, a foul smell the likes of which he had never experienced, and Raymond Donaldson, the bear sharktopus. Goodness gracious, boy. What in tarnation are you? And are you the one giving off that smell? Mr. Buckleman, I used to be known as Raymond Donaldson, but now I'm the bear sharktopus, and I'd like a job in your carnival's freak show. Say no more, my deformed and hideous friend. 
My carnival could use a thing like you. What a sordid affair. Poor Raymond. His decisions in life were not the wisest, but at least he secured employment. That's the big takeaway. Now, considering the success we had with our last show, where we met a new friend, I am excited to go once more to the phone lines. I am optimistic for another solid and positive interaction with one of our loyal lunatics. Winston, how does the phone board look? It's lighting up, Mr. Piedmont! We have a ton of callers! How exciting indeed. Well, let's put the first caller through, shall we? You bet! Here you go! My name is Doug Meyer. It is possible that your tax debt can now be considered temporarily non-collectible. You can call me back at my personal desk, 833-312-3209. Winston, I do believe that is simply a telemarketer, an an electronic recording, actually. Um, How about we take another caller? Okay, try this one. Hi there. I'm calling you from Spectrum to let you know that your existing account is qualified for 50% off. In order to avail the discount, kindly call us back at 866-499-4107. No, no, uh, caught it. It's it's another scam. Just trying to take advantage. Uh, Let's do this one then. My name is Mike Billings. This is a notification call from our Department of Tax Debt and Financial Settlement Services. There are new programs that can help you reduce or eliminate your debt completely. You can call me back at my personal desk, 833-577-2582. Well, unfortunately, it seems as though we're being spammed, as they say on the streets. We will have to forego the rest of the callers this week until we can get this straightened out. No worries, though. I think we produced quite the show. Eh, fellas? You bet! Yes, it was delightful, to say the least. Indeed. Such healthy optimism from the crew here. Well, my loyal lunatics, it is about that time for us to say goodbye. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all things Volumes of Fear. And a special thank you to our presenter, Vivacomp Media. For all of your photo and video needs, make sure to visit them online at vivacomp.net. Until next time, loyal lunatics, share the scare and like the lunacy. This episode of Volumes of Fear featured the acting talents of Josh Berkey, J.C. Rositas, Nathan Pratt, Derek DeBoer, Rachel Collins, and Andy Collins. It was produced by Andy Collins and J.C. Rositas, with David Thompson serving as co-producer. This episode was written by Andy Collins. Audio editing, original music, and sound design was by David Thompson. The artwork was created by Derek DeBoer. Additional Foley work was by Swirl. This episode was presented by Vivacomp Media. Visit them online at vivacomp.net. Follow Volumes of Fear on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.